Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase the people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know that we need so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens. In these diversity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, the Talent Surgery, the Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of them all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me for more information to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through my LinkedIn or at nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Laura Rowe, the Strategic Partnerships Manager at PPRO. Now, PPRO are working with payment service providers and local payment methods to help merchants optimize all their payment experience for their customers. Laura started her career at Westpac in Australia. And the story is, is that she was one of the 123 individuals chosen out of 5,000 who applied for their grad scheme. And since then, as you can imagine, her career has gone from strength to strength. So much so that she's now seen as one of the powerhouses on the UK FinTech scene. And I'm very proud to announce that she is here today to share her story. So Laura, thank you so much for joining us on Women of FinTech. Hi Nadia, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. So it would be wonderful if you could start off by telling us a bit more about PPRO. Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually only been at um, PPRO uh, for a short while, but they've been around for 14 odd years now. And as you sort of touched on, they're very much experts when it comes to local payment methods. Um, now, for those who suppose who don't know much about local payment methods, um, an example around this is, you know, COVID has very much pushed us to do a lot more online shopping these days. So if you've done your online shopping um, and you choose um, what you want to buy and you, you get to the checkout, you know, how do you like to pay? So, you know, here in the UK, uh, popular local payment methods, things like um, Klarna, Buy Now, Pay Later. Um, you've got payment, local payment schemes like Visa and MasterCard, where, whereas in China, it might be Alipay, which you may have heard of. Um, in Australia, it's um, you know, Poly and, and Afterpay. And these are all local payment methods. Um, and there's over, you know, 350 significant payment methods um, uh, globally. So, you know, as a consumer, if we go to checkout um, and our preferred payment method isn't there, um, here in the UK, data kind of shows that over 20% of us abandon our cart, um, shopping cart. Um, and that's why local payment methods are really important to, to merchants um, and be able to offer these to their customers. So that's um, a bit about what sort of PPRO offers and, and works towards. But in terms of, you know, PPRO itself um, and, and diversity and quality as we sort of uh, the theme of our talk today, um, you know, PPRO is sort of very big uh, on this area. And as I mentioned, they've been around for 14 years, but they're still a relatively small company with just over sort of 300 odd employees. But of that, there's 50 different nationalities in the company. So quite a big mix. And then 
from that, um, 41% uh, is female, um, I recently found out, which I think is, is a really good split. Um, while they're a little bit sort of top heavy um, from a male perspective, um, they've actually recently just hired a new female chief people officer. officer. And, um, and I know that gender and diversity is very much on HR's agenda. So, so yeah, really looking forward to what they're gonna be working on. Well, that sounds amazing. And just the way that you've explained that about the, the payments, um, like me as a consumer, 100%, like the, last night I abandoned my shopping cart because I didn't like the way that I was gonna have to pay for it. And I actually wanted that stuff. <laughs> so um, it really <laughs> makes like, sense. Yeah, um, amazing the way you've explained that. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about your background and what's brought you here. Yeah, so um, you touched on, and, and you, some of you may have heard by um, my accent. I, I'm not English. I'm actually from Australia. Um, so g'day, everyone. <laughs> but um, on a personal note, um, I'm actually sort of one, of one of four children and come from sort of a bit of a diverse background for myself. My father's Australian and um, my mum is, is half British, um, half Indian. Um, she's actually also sort of hearing impaired. So from an inequalities um, perspective, I kind of saw her experience some challenges, you know, growing up. But, you know, from that, it kind of helped teach us to be strong and independent, really fight for what we believe in. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, so... In terms of my career perspective, you know, as you mentioned, I started in um, the world of corporate banking um, and I was at uh, Westpac uh, for just over five years it was. Um, and I decided I wanted to go on a new and exciting adventure, do some traveling around uh, Europe. Um, I had the time of my life and um, landed myself in, in London um, to find a job and sort of live here for a year um, and, and see how things went. Um, you know, when I got here, the, and at the time um, I arrived, uh, job market was pretty challenging, actually, and I had to take quite a bit of a big step back, both um, career-wise and, and um, pay-wise as well. Um, so that was quite, quite affronting, but still tried to do as much as I, as I could, um, you know, and, and, and life isn't obviously without its, its challenges. So for those who have moved countries, um, kind of understand a bit around you know, having to really build out your network again, make new friends and even try and, you know, figure out which shops to go to, to buy, you know, your favourite bits and pieces. Um, but London stuck on me and I've been here eight years now. So um, loving it. Um, in terms of my career, I absolutely wanted to stay in, in the payments in the fintech space. Um, and, you know, as we all know, London's a massive hub for that. Um, but you know, from a career perspective, and as I've even sort of reflected over the course of the different roles that I've had, you know, this is an industry that we all know is very male dominated. Um, and, you know, I absolutely feel as a female that I you know, have been treated um, on occasions to a lesser degree than that of my male colleagues, you know, it could be simple things from, you know, been excluded from activities with clients, um, you know, because you're not part of that, you know, boys club. Um, I've, I've been in situations where I've had um, clients shaking my male colleagues' hands and speaking to them directly and choosing to blatantly um, ignore me or you know, not been presented the same job opportunities and acknowledged for what I was doing within my roles and having to worry about little things like, you know, voicing my, my feelings and concerns and being told I'm too emotional and, you know, could sit here and the, the list could go on. But over the years, I've really sort of, become more aware of this and, and understood more and more it's not normal. And, and as you hear all these stories from 
many women in industry, so many of them are experiencing the same thing you are. And I think for me, what's also brought me here is that this passion of mine um, has really grown um, and really want to sort of look at ways how it can impact change in this area and, and really be a huge advocate for sort of female empowerment and inequality for women. So, so yeah, that's, I suppose, it, in a very nutshell, uh, touching on a few bits and pieces about me. Um, Nadia, I hope that answers your questions. Oh, it 100% does. And, and thank you for your honesty, because I think it's, it's by us being honest with one another about the challenges we face, we, we are able to grow in confidence that actually that, that, that is something that a lot of us face, but it shouldn't be normal and it isn't right. And it's, it's more of a hurdle that you know, we have to get through um, to be able to progress. So I think it's so important that you've shared that um, in the way that you have, because there'll be people listening that will be sort of nodding furiously sitting, sitting on the tube or maybe not the tube, but you know, sitting on some sort of transport and listening to this thinking, yeah, I, I feel the same. So it's so important that you've shared that very personal touch. Um, what I'd love you to tell us a bit more about now is um, the role that you have, that you've joined PPRO4, the strategic partnership manager. Um, it'd be really great for us to understand a bit more about what that entails um, and the challenges that you face. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, my role within uh, PPRO is um, titled as a strategic partnership manager. So, I sit on the um, sales and account management side of the fence um, in, in terms of the business. And, and um, I work with um, payment services providers across the EMEA region um, and look at, um, these are our sort of tier one and tier two partners uh, within the business and look at how I can work with them, building out the relationship um, and looking at ways uh, to support their growth and strategy um, and essentially be the face of PPRO and a provider of you know, expertise when it comes to um, the world of, of local payments. So yeah, that's kind of a bit of an overview of my, my role um, within, within the business. And thank you for sharing that. Um, so I wanted to ask you about something that I know you're really passionate about, um, and it's about mentoring. Now, I, I know you've set up quite, quite a lot to give back to future generations in the industry. Um, I wanted you to share with us what you've done um, and why you feel this is so important. Yes, absolutely. I mean, mentoring is something I, I really, really feel um, strong about, strongly about. One of the reasons before this, I came across um, a stat the other day that um, was done some research by um, PwC. And they said that nearly three quarters of women um, in the millennial age bracket, so that's between 22 and 38, think that equal opportunities are not available to them, um, despite their organisations um, claiming uh, to care about diversity. And I think you know, the reason I wanted to touch on that is because um, I think mentoring is so, so important from an early stage in our career. Um, it is, you know, a big step jumping into the corporate and professional world, whether you went, you've come from university or you've done some former studies or, 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 or what have you. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to have I've been accepted onto a great graduate program. Um, and effectively, you kind of have your, your training wheels on in the corporate world for, for that time during the program. You know, but for me, um, I look back now and it maybe something was missing. You know, who do you talk to about your concerns? You know, how do you find out about, you know, how to ask for a pay rise, negotiate your roles, um, you know, steps you can take to progress your career? Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that I, I didn't have mentors, there are definitely people with, across the course of my career who I've gone to and, and, and asked for advice and these sorts of things. But I wondered, you know, 
how would my career have changed somewhat or how might it have been impacted differently had I had a, a mentor right from the start. So, you know, a little later down the track, I did look to seek out, you know, coach, mentor um, specifically. And, you know, whether it was in my network or, or there's certain, lots of organisations out there who, who offer that. But, you know, you tend to find that a lot of people are kind of time poor um, and, you know, a lot of programs also cost money and, you know, certain stages is not something that's, that can be potentially be affordable. And one of my recent companies I actually worked for, they, they offered a coaching program by a professional who was outside of the organisation. And um, for me, you know, I, I would meet with her on a bi-weekly basis and you know, talk about anything from my career development to concerns I had or how to manage you know, certain situations in a professional environment, um, projects I was working on. And, you know, I had access to her coaching for, for over a year. And without a doubt, it helped me grow and develop my career. Within that time, I often feel much quicker than what it has over, over a multitude of years for me. So it's helped me really realise my, my potential and, my, 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 um, and be able to identify opportunities that I might not have seen otherwise. And my performance was noticed by senior management, you know, within myself, it really helped me um, with building out my, my confidence and, and understand my, my value and my worth as well. And you know, I think companies should really look at, you know, developing mentoring programs um, and, and offering sort of coaching. Um, it may seem like a big commitment, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. There are lots of organisations out there who provide you know, templates and structures that you can just adopt uh, within, within your organisation. Um, and it does take you know, resource and things like that. But I think it definitely and absolutely um, helps individuals. Um, and, and I think, you know, for me, yeah, absolutely really, really important um, uh, from, from a mentoring uh, perspective um, to help, yeah, build out and give people that confidence and, and that ability to, to grow and shine. I think that's such an important story that you've shared with us. And, you know, you, you used the word com confidence a number of times, but, but also just you being able to say about um, your, your own clarity within yourself about your career, having had someone spend some time with you on a biweekly basis and just your own, your own sort of steeper learning curve because of that support. And I think there's a lot of businesses out there, they worry about how much time um, it takes for coaching and mentoring, but actually it really is um, 100% or maybe even 200% a, um, a, a thing that will allow for so much growth once the investment's been, been put in there. So I think that's fantastic the way that you've, um, you've shared that. And, and I completely agree. I'm a big fan of mentoring and coaching. Um, um, and I think that that's really been explained well. Um, can, can you tell us a bit more about then your youth charity and your work for the Women's, Women's Advisory Board um, and the purpose of each of these? Because it'd be good to hear like, the examples of where you've, you've been getting involved. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I suppose for me, when I look back um, at my goals, my personal, my um, professional level, I always want to have a section on, you know, how am I giving back? Um, I, I believe that, you know, so many of us are just so lucky and we, we have so much in our lives that um, we can always give something back to some degree. 
um, and I actually get a lot of satisfaction from helping other people as well. So I get something from that too. But um, at the moment, you know, I'm currently working for a couple of different charities, one called Brightside, who run an online mentoring program for young people um, and just finishing up a, on a 12-week program with pre-uni students, which has been really, really good. But more recently, um, and around your question with the Women's Advisory Board, I was appointed um, an associate trustee um, for a charity called um, IARS or IARS. So IARS is, is a remarkable charity. Um, they focus on a number of key issues like youth, and gender, human rights, um, and influence and create a lot of change through what I think is really important being um, user-led research. So they actually research um, these topics with those who are actually directly impacted and get their feedback, which I think is great. And then they utilise that to impact um, government policy um, and create campaigns to create awareness and impact change. So there's, there's two key gender-based projects that I, I am working on um, as part of the Women's Advisory Board um, and consulting uh, with these based on sort of presenting the research around key issues faced by youth and, and young women particularly, um, raising awareness around this um, while also identifying tools needed to help um, these individuals in these situations and then educating those you know who are directly impacted um, but also decision makers, teachers, governments. Um, you know it's not just um, at a UK level, this is also them working with European uh, based partners um, as well. They've got some exciting things um, on the go and one of them is um, actually building out a, an, an app, a, a game where they have like these avatars uh, where the, the user can go through sort of experiences um, and, and scenarios where they might be confronted in challenging situations and, and presented with um, ideas on how to best deal with those situations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing more work with IRs and, and consulting from a women's advisory perspective. I think that just sounds fantastic because, you know, when, when I introduce this podcast, I always say, you know, it's about walking the talk. Um, and, um, you know, I, I've worked really hard to raise awareness and, and get people talking about the issue. And now I'm getting really obsessed with how do we turn that into action? And I love the action that you've just shared with us because that's going to give real, um, that's real example, real passion that other people can think, okay, now what can I do? How can I help shift the shift this needle and move things forward? So it's great to hear all of that. Um, my next question for you is around your, um, your big beliefs in succession planning. Um, so I always ask, um, you know, what, what do people think is uh, the right thing that we should be doing to affect real change for gender equality within our workplaces? And already you've, you've mentioned that PPRO have, I think you said 41% um, uh, women to men within the business, which is a stat that, that you guys should be incredibly proud of because that is an anomaly within our marketplace. Um, so it really is um, a, a great thing to be talking about. And I think that um, that, that stat can probably get closer to 50-50 with your succession planning um, ideas. So it'd be great for you to share that with us too. Yes, sure thing. So um, some of you, you know, may have heard of some, some stats that are going around about you know, the impact women have um, within organisations when they're in senior leadership um, roles. So, you know, I actually read an article, some data that just came out this week from Goldman Sachs, and it was research that was published um, where they found that shares of, um, you know, public European companies who have a greater than average number of female managers on, on their board rose um, more than those with 
uh, a below average uh, comparison. Um, you know, the World Economic Forum you know, has conducted research that shows that companies who have women in these leadership positions um, generate over 11% more revenue um, than, than businesses that don't. So, you know, um, you know, powerful women lead to powerful returns. I mean, if nothing else, it you know, makes, makes business sense. But yeah, I am absolutely you know, a believer and one of the actions that organisations need to really start thinking about is, is succession planning. Um, you know, now, what do we kind of mean by that? So, so like I said, you know, lots of companies, um, I think um, a study this year sort of found by Innovate Finance revealed that there was less than 30% of UK fintech workforce of female and only 17% of senior fintech roles were held by women. So, you know, that number is low, but we're still, you know, building that here within the UK, which is great to see. But part of the challenge is that, you know, it, it, we are seeing more and more females in uh, entry and entry level and um, middle management roles, but we're not seeing them in those key decision director level, board level roles. Um, and, and that's where the challenge is. And there's, there's lots of reasons around that, lots of theories as to why people you know, say that that's the case, but we need to start thinking about what we can do to, to change that. Um, and, and, you know, I recently built out, um, in a, a company I was working for, I built out a, a mentoring, um, a mentoring program and structure. Um, and you know, obviously to go back to my, my passion on the mentoring front again, but, but essentially when I built out this program, I focused around some key areas, so education um, and networking, and women's only group mentoring. But then also I thought it was really important to include um, high performance one-on-one -on -one mentoring channel. And the purpose of this was to identify, you know, women in the company who were strong performers and who showed signs of, you know, opportunity and leadership. And you could identify them and put this on, on this track. And, to, and essentially, you know, what are the benefits of this really? One, not only to the individual where, you know, it helps retain and nurture good female talent within your company. It also provides sort of clear goals and a career path for that individual. And essentially, um, it's a, a fast track channel to management. So you identify these key performers within your company. They might not be ready, you know, now, but maybe they're going to be ready in, you know, two to five years time. Um, and you can build this into, you know, company's succession planning model. And essentially, it helps ensure organisations diversity and gender balance is in check across all levels of the business. And essentially it loops back, yeah, like I said, to the reason why I'm passionate about mentoring um, and, and the importance of this. And it's something that I think can, isn't too much of a challenge for, for organisations to adopt, but something we really need to start thinking about. Absolutely spot on. And I think that what I've loved about your answer there is that you are giving us all just a really clear clear direction on what we can do like we've got to start walking this talk and like the, what you've just said it's clear it makes sense it's what we should be doing for for our members of staff like a, a responsibility of any employer is to ensure that their employees are progressing they're getting better every single day by being at work they're getting challenged and therefore they're happy and if we know that there's that we, we need to work on that gender balance then it's so so much easier to be able to say right let's identify people and look after them through their careers so 
I absolutely love that. Um, and I'm really excited to, to hear, you, hear you talk through it the way that you have. Um, my final question then is back to you. What is next on the horizon? Yes, action, 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 Nadia. You know, um, helping to impact change. You know, often told that perhaps I, I'm taking on too much or my mum always says to me, you know, don't burn out, Laura, but there's just so much that can be done. I mean, with things like the World Economic Forum, I read something the other day that said, women will be waiting another, over another 100 years before we reach gender parity. And I'm like, that is just too long and, it, and it's really not good enough. Um, so for me, I'm like a... How to think about it, you know, off the back of this, some things that little things that people can be doing, um, I think, and things that I've sort of started doing as well in terms of, you know, what's next. Um, you know, at the moment, the Office of the National Statistics shows data for all UK companies with more um, than 250 employees um, to report on their gender ratio and pay gaps. So, you know, people should go onto this website, have a look where your company sits um, and start asking questions. What is your company doing to support um, gender, gender equality? You know, you may think that you're not a manager or you cannot make the decisions, but you can make a difference. Um, you know, I think at any level, you know, speak to your decision makers and, and, and ask them, you know, when you're applying for jobs, um, you make sure you align with a company who is diverse and has the same, you know, mindset and, and, and values as, as you. And don't be afraid to ask the questions like, I touched on recently, I've recently joined PPRO and during my interview process with them, I asked them, you know, what are they doing on, on this front? Um, and both the CEO and my line manager both fed back, you know, positive comments. So don't be afraid to ask that question. You know, I think my mentoring programs, I definitely want to, for me personally, continue down that channel. But like I said, you know, companies should really start looking at implementing programs um, for this. And there's lots of, you know, infrastructure templates out there. I know organizations like Women in Payments, you know, can help you adopt those sorts of, adopt those sorts of um, programs. I think, you know, education and, and support uh, from our male counterparts as well. It's one thing that I really want to reiterate here is that they're really important for us in supporting us and affecting this change and we can't do it without them. Um, there's charities out there who both need support, you know, financially um, and also resource-wise. So, you know, get involved. Join networks with like like-minded people. There's organizations like Women in Payments, Lean In Supper Circle. Um, you know, together, you know, we're stronger and we can we can do more about this. And you know, really ask yourself, what are you doing on an individual level? Because there's so much that we can do to kind of give back. And you know, of course, if people, you know, off the back of this, this podcast, you know, have more questions and have any ideas or want any, you know, feedback, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to help, um, you know, and, and contribute where I can. So, yeah, for me, it's just about more of this walking the talk, Nadia, and, and, and looking at ways that we can impact, impact this change. Well, I think that's an absolutely fantastic um, piece to, to end the podcast on. Um, I loved it when you said action, action, action. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. So I've absolutely loved learning about you, learning about what you do. Um, and I know that everyone listening uh, will feel the same. So thank you very much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Thanks, Nadia. And um, you keep up the good work as well. It's really good to see what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you.